gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. We're still in lockdown but we're still here to give you the fantastic wrestling content that we always do on a weekly basis. Uh, this week we'll be talking about the event too big for one night or just spread out because of COVID-19. Who knows? Uh, yes, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 36 and giving our thoughts on the big matches from there. But before we get started, uh, a bit of housekeeping, head on over to our social media feeds, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Suplex Retweet. And uh, give us a subscribe on any podcast platform and just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And you can also find our bonus feed, Suplex Retweet Extra, by searching for that on any given site. Now, before we dig into WrestleMania 36, let's meet the panel. First, we've got a man who has more wrinkles than Goldberg. It's Gary Kernan. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I'm going to have to invest in some some facelifts, I think, Stephen. Ah, yeah, you need and to... You need hanging to. around with you is certainly ageing me. Ah, yes, I, I, I'm never tired of you giving me grief for that, Gary, you know. Especially when you provide sub-quality Wrestlemania snacks oh, like, why anybody would think a packet of hobnobs was acceptable snacks for Wrestlemania it's been four years man get it and it still hurts it still hurts <laughs> Jesus uh, next up is a man who auditioned to be in the Firefight Funhouse match but they told him he was too weird for that match take that for what it is it's Jack Graham what do you mean what do you mean too weird that's, 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 a, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a harsh one did not even make it into the fun house oh, that's a shame they decided to go with that bit with uh, Bray Wyatt rocking, on the rocking chair instead of you being in it Jack that's criminal mate uh, it's very criminal how's it going anyway I know but as you know really been working at home for a month during all this slowly going crazy running up the uh, walls but I'm kicking toilet paper about the house so nice. what, what can you do not, not bad at all. And rounding off our panel this week, it has taken being locked down in his house for three weeks without any escape to actually get him on a bloody podcast. It's Ryan Galhar, everybody. Listen, mate, things need to happen on a Wednesday night. So you record a podcast on a Wednesday night. I get the one form of exercise that I get in my whole entire life. I play five or sides on a Wednesday now. And if I need to then give up that, I'm going to be a fat beep. So there's your first bleep of the of the night. So you've got me now because Fitbit's cancelled. The season's over. Celtic are champions. Hearts are going down. Fists are going down. Everything's good. Uh, <laughs> let's not get started on Fistle. Let's get into it. <laughs> actually talking about uh, WrestleMania 36. But before we actually go into the matches itself, I'm going to take a quick five minutes just to go around your guys and ask, what did you actually think of the no fans experience? Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you on this one. What was your thoughts on it? I thought it was horrible for a for a WrestleMania. Um, we're going to talk about it later on. I did make a point in the group chat. I said it was a, a decent show, but it wasn't WrestleMania for me. I feel like it has to be this this big stadium show with a hundred thousand people there for it to be WrestleMania to have your moment where you go up on the you know Drew wins the title. He gets up in the top turnbuckle. He looks out to the crowd. And there's people there. I just felt like it, it didn't have that. And I, I feel like WrestleMania needs to have that to be WrestleMania. 
Gary, what was your thoughts? I it was weird and it took some time to get used to. Um, I think some of the talent dealt with it much better than others. There were some people that were going about their business as if there was a live audience mm-hmm. there, and I think that was quite telling at points. The um, but as, as the show got on, you kind of got used to it. But really, it was sort of about I, I enjoyed it. But going into it, my expectations were so so low. Um, it did exceed my expectations in the end. There was no doubt that the the talent worked incredibly hard, and um, there were some bits of it that I really enjoyed, like the this some of the smack talking you could hear with people in in the ring and during their matches. But overall, I felt. You know, at the end of it, I was thrilled to see Drew win the, win the title, but I couldn't help but feel sorry for him as well, that that was their crowning moment. And so many of these talents had worked so hard up to this point, and um, it couldn't, you know, it must have been anticlimactic feeling for them. Yeah, Jack, is there anything you want to add on that experience? Because you, you've said yourself you, were, you didn't have a great level of hype going into it. No, I've, I've not been enthused about this at all even like when we've been doing the raw report or Ross McLeod kind of during this lockdown time with the no fans before we sent they've kind of got used to it and like not, not many things have been good coming into, going into the shows so I was kind of left I don't know what's going to happen here with Wrestlemania but I think with all things considered I think it's probably the best possible delivering of a Wrestlemania they could have done Mm-hmm. with there being no fans so I'd say big props to that but it was a weird feeling and ex- experience in general watching it Jack yeah, that- you, you mean the the involvement of the guest host uh, Rob Gronkowski didn't get you hyped for Wrestlemania not not even the dance not the theme music or him winning the, the 24-7 time God get me hyped I thought Titus O'Neil was the best possible upgrade ever especially when it comes to one of the matches on night 2 that we'll talk about later on he was absolutely brilliant for that one can I I just jump in there see on on Gronk um, I don't know I'm not sure are you guys big uh, NFL fans not a big NFL fan though no no idea who he is I I know my way about American football yes right so I absolutely love Gronk Right, as a as a player, I thought he was brilliant to watch, especially for the last few years of his career. He was outstanding, and see when he was getting involved, even when he got involved at WrestleMania before, and he jumped the the barricade and he got in the ring and got involved. I thought it was brilliant. I thought he he has that kind of that attitude, that kind of character about him anyway, where he's a bit mental he's having all these kind of parties and stuff like that I thought he'll be ideal for this I take it all back I'm sorry for bigging it up it was horrendous <laughs> it was horrendous see when he came out on uh, Smackdown was it Smackdown and he was doing that dance I was like oh no I've bigged this guy up as well I've told people he's going to be amazing and I had to stick by it because I think it helps put him in Mojo Raleigh well they're pals though and that was why you get involved last time wasn't it yeah. they got involved last time because they were pals and I, I just thought it was going to be better than it was and I put my cap on it and I'm sorry to everybody that I said it to because it was shocking it was horrendous in so many levels you know when we had the start of it and he says you know he's acting like this you know he's this big party animal and you're joining the party he's in an empty bloody building <laughs> exactly <laughs> he's, he's wearing a trackie uh, he, he was just hoaching 
Yeah. And and most of the world had absolutely no idea who he was or why we should care about him. No, but uh, enough about the badness of Gronk. Let's talk about some of the matches now. We're going to just outline, obviously, the 16 matches or 18 matches kind of future. We're not going to talk about them all. We're just going to pick out a, a few ones ourselves to highlight first. And I think there's no better place to start than night one than the main event of Saturday night. It was The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. It was in a Boneyard match. Before that match, we had no clue what a Boneyard match was. But, Gary, I think it's fair to say that this was the match that got the internet absolutely buzzing. It certainly provoked a reaction, didn't it? And I think uh, they all, you know, some people loved it, some people hated it. But the re- the ratio for people that loved it, I think, going by my social media feeds, outla- uh, far outweighed the people that hated it. I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect that. Um, I thought, you know, one of the stars of WrestleMania, I thought, was AJ Styles. His his selling, uh, his character work throughout this match was great. You know, that cocky heel, the trash talking that went on throughout it. But that's, you know, that one of the lines that stuck with me was AJ whispering to the Undertaker at the end of that, "Don't bury me." <laughs> Yeah, just loads about it. I, lo- uh, I really enjoyed um, the production values of it were, were tremendous. I, you know, probably cost them a fortune to make. It took ages to to put it together, um, and yeah, I thought this was a, a good way to use the Undertaker. If this is how the Undertaker is going to finish, this probably is a a good way to send them off into the the sunset. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I thought it was quite telling the minute that. The hearse came, they drew the coffin out the hearse, and it was AJ that was in it, just popping out. I think that kind of set the tone throughout it, and then, as Gary mentioned, the two of them, even him and Undertaker, they both sold this match to perfection, I think, at various points. Do you know, I just wanted to elaborate on that. Gary made the point there and said AJ throughout his character throughout the match was outstanding. I think AJ's character throughout this whole feud has been yeah. outstanding. See, week in, week out, that whole breaking the kayfabe type thing, it's everything that we've been saying about Undertaker, about him taking selfies, and, you know, a dead guy shouldn't have Twitter, right? Yeah. It, that point blank, shouldn't have Twitter, he shouldn't have Instagram, he's not supposed to be married, he's dead, right? But for some reason, they're now then bringing all this out so I, th- I like the way that they had AJ capitalise on that which kind of meant that they only had one way to go with Undertaker and that was the American Badass type character because he is the, the non-dead Undertaker so to speak um, So and I think that's something that we've wanted for, for years as well is getting that character back so I loved it I thought the whole match was outstanding Yeah Jack they actually said yeah, what guy Ryan said about the American Badass style Undertaker. It was an Undertaker that people wanted to see a couple of years ago when he came back to face John Cena. So I think they've actually got the timing of it right, especially with everything else that's thrown into the feud. Yeah, definitely. It was like, there's been no kind of, from what I can recall from recent memory, any serious kind of personal motive to go for The Undertaker and to kind of call out Michelle and whatnot. But like, Styles took it there. He was able to kind of make it known that the dead man wasn't wanted it was Mark Calloway it was the American badass and that kind of resonated with everyone saying yeah we need to see this before he eventually does right into the sunset and even the point he came when Styles came out of the hearse and he was in the, the coffin and he was kind of doing his trash talking and all you heard was the kind of the motorbike revving up and he's coming down his Metallica blaring from that point I was so late I mean I've been invested in the full programme in this feud but from that point when you heard Metallica playing I was like, fucking, give me a half hour of this right now. 
could you imagine we were all sitting in a pub absolutely steaming when that happened when that part there it would have been like when Drew won the Rumble the place would have been absolutely mental but I think that's one thing that's then that's missed as well from this being and this is a coronavirus bloody podcast now but because all this kind of stuff kicking off and there's not being able to go out and watch stuff I just feel like that takes away from it again because I watched it in the house and I thought oh it's amazing but I know for a fact if I was in a pub I would have been going off my head do you think they would have done that same match if, it, if the that we're you think they would have just done a normal match? No, I think they would have done the same thing. I, I reckon that would have been still in the works because you can't plan that in such a short space of time, the, the size of that, and Ooh. plus the way the story went. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I could be completely wrong with that, um, but I, I would like to think that that was the plan the whole time for the good in that route. And we'll never know the answer to that. I think this this match benefited from it being pre-taped because they could edit it and make it you know make it look good. I find it hard to believe. And Ryan, you have also been at Mania. Could you imagine them playing this on a, a big screen and you sitting in the arena and watching for half an hour the TV screen? I just can't imagine them doing that with a live crowd. It'd be too long. I uh, so I suppose maybe they would have had the same the same type of. Same type of thing, but I think character-wise would have still been the same. I still think they would have maybe come out to the arena in a motorbike mm. and had to kind of set up around the side. Now they used to do the, the Buried the Live matches, etc. When they had it up at the kind of the top end, um, and they'd work their way back to basically the entrance way, and then they would they would chuck something in there. I, I think it would have been that kind of idea, but I think the character changes would have been would have been the same. It was the it, it was the, I thought it was the perfect way to use Undertaker because they can't do that smart. What we had uh, ten years ago with him fighting Shawn Michaels, he just can't do that anymore. But this yeah. played to his absolute strengths, and I thought because he is still an absolute badass, he could still obviously probably go, if he messed with him in a bar, he'd probably still party. So oh, mate, he looked happy, seat. He looked oh, mental. He looked great. That I, I feel that it was a be- it was the best way to conceal the kind of aging figure of old yeah. Mark Calloway, like a lot yeah. of. You could have seen that him was kind of hidden, it was only like his face and maybe just kind of his arms and kind of showing the muscle. But see, if he was in his dead man attire and you saw that in media this time for them to fight, you would be saying afterwards that Undertaker looks terrible and needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's falling back. But they just got so much stuff right with the production and all that. Even the stuff that was really, really over the top, that point where uh, it looked like AJ was going to bury him and he just appears behind him. And the blinding light. I mean, it's so gimmicky, but it just played absolute perfection. That's a meme, and that that's oh. a, <laughs> that, that's the birth of a new meme to get used. It's, it's, there's, there's so much memes that stuff on this match that obviously haven't given given AJ the fingers just before that. Uh-huh, that was brilliant. Right, just everything. And let's let's think. Let's look at the real real positive for this match. We got Anderson and Gallows in a WrestleMania main event. <laughs> Die a happy man now. I'm not giving this main event. I've said this in the chat. I'm not giving it main event. Technically, technically a main event. Not, mate. It's not. WrestleMania is a one event. I don't care what anybody says. They can spread it across two days if they want. WrestleMania is one event, and I'm not having it. I'm not having main events. Every every WrestleMania that's happened recently, though, there's always been dubbed as more than one main event. Also, you have the main event, but you have like three different main events in the card as well. So it still would have been a main event so to speak just so happened that this was the main event of the night one do, do you think that this is the final 
the final curtain call for the Undertaker? Do you think we'll no. see him again, or do you think this is him? No, he can't help himself. He'll come back again. He'll come Aye. back for the, the blood money. He'll come back for an Armenia match. Like, he just he can't stay away. Yeah, fair enough. Gary, Jack, you agree with that? I think it should be. Um, I hope in some ways it is. And the reason I think it might be is the release of the documentary series that's coming. If The Undertaker is going to continue to keep going, as Ryan said, and I can absolutely see that scenario, uh, he does need somebody to tell him it, it, he's done, but you know he he's the, got the right to determine that for himself and we don't want his last match to be you know a calamity like the Goldberg match he can't go the way he used to but the way he could continue to go is if he sticks with this American badass character because there's a bit of a character reboot of sorts although it's a character we've seen before we be you know changing the expectations and the moveset that he could do mm-hmm. yeah totally it's, 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 it's a decent as pretty much interesting to see what happens but it was a very very good main event I think it actually or main event of night one final match to go on on Saturday to keep Ryan happy uh, <laughs> uh, but there was a match that went on just before it uh, well not just before a couple of matches before it which many people say was the best match of the first night from an in-ring point of view he's may argue a bit later it's the match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens uh, Jack I'll go to you on this one as a man who's been reviewing Raw quite a lot recently this has been a feud that's been very much ongoing since pretty much December time did you feel this was the perfect way in the circumstances to climax this feud no I don't I've uh, I was I was saying this earlier on with Ross this is Rollins and Owens has been an absolute kind of stable figure of Raw from November December time they've had this ongoing feud they've built up so many different teams and people around them that has made it so prominent and relevant and programming and then they had this match I don't know if maybe it was just the the crowd and there being no atmosphere maybe knocked it off for me but having the kind of DQ finish at first and then they restarted the match became a no DQ and then it was just kind of not much happened apart from that big spot and then that was it and he has the stunner and obviously Rollins is lifeless and whatnot gets the pin and wins but Rollins turns up fine on Raw the next night as if nothing happened I feel it's just a big slap to what that feud's been and then like Rollins has probably gained more losing than what Owens has winning that, that's not that's not what's meant to happen mm, interesting uh, Ryan what do, you, do you kind of agree or disagree with what Jack says because personally when I watched this I thought this was there was a lot to this in terms of the in-run work that the two did as well apart from that big spot I don't I wouldn't agree that it's the way to end the feud because I reckon the feud will go on longer. Um, you will get the kind of fallout one. You seen Seth when he came out in on Raw on Monday. He was kind of walking really slow, coming down as if he had like something on his mind. You can almost feel as if that's he's going to avenge that loss almost because he lost twice after saying he doesn't lose at WrestleMania. He technically lost twice in one match. Um, I thought the the own spot from the the WrestleMania sign. One th- one thing I liked about that, and it's probably a wee bit of a kind of small thing. You never really see anybody jumping off of something and actually going through somebody yeah. anymore. And that's obviously health and safety, which is fair enough. But you never see anybody staying on the table when someone makes one of these big jumps. And the fact that Seth stayed on the table and actually looked like he had died and had some like internal bleeding or something like that the whole way through it was amazing. But no, I, I thought it was 
it was great. One thing I didn't get is why the match wasn't no DQ to begin with. Yeah, they probably, probably should have just done that straight. Aye. That would have been better. It would have built up more of a kind of grudge match type feel as opposed to just a normal match. Um, because I felt that this match needed to be an ODQ. So it was a wee bit strange why they done that. I can understand going with the two losses and blah, blah, blah. But aye, it would have made more sense to me to just no DQ at the start and then just go for there. But I thought Seth selling in the match as well was outstanding. The way he sold that stunner, like he just flopped to the ground like an empty trackie. It was class. Yeah. Uh, Gary, yeah, Brian mentioned Seth Rollins. And do you feel as if he's kind of thriving in this role in the Monday Night Messiah? I mean, you took up top from his entrance down to the ring where he literally was like dressed like a god, you know? Do you feel that this is a perfect gimmick for him now? Oh, I, th- I think he's been money in this gimmick. I loved his entrance. I could just imagine, only imagine what his entrance would have been like in the big arena with all those people around him. I thought he was brilliant at the part he, pl- he played. I wasn't sure when Seth turned heel because... Um, uh, and when this Monday Night Messiah thing has come along, but you know he's a, he's been a great example. Of somebody just taking something and working with it. Uh, I thought it was his mannerisms, the way he carried himself, was just was just fantastic. Um, so I loved his character work there. Um, I had higher expectations for this match than I did in others because these these two. Um, in the exactly why they're feuding, I don't really understand it. But whatever they're given to do, they always seem to nail it at the park. I think it started um, off with a, a loyalty thing from Survivor Series weekend. I think uh, yeah. Seth kind of said that Kevin wasn't really a team player type aspect because he went back to NXT type thing. I think it's kind of descended into just a bit of a gang warfare type idea. Yeah, so I thought that. Uh, the the match throughout was really good. When the DQ happened, I did think, "Oh, is that really?" Uh, but then, when the match restarted, the pace really picked up. Then, and that spot, as the guys were just talking about, I mean, some I was going to say it takes big balls to allow somebody to jump off a big sign of you, but we've seen Seth's big balls, <laughs> uh, so, oh, so we, we all know that. Um, <laughs> talking about the spot. <laughs> The spot guys from the top of the WrestleMania side. For what I've seen online, a lot of people have kind of gave up. There's been some criticism for it because saying, "Why is he doing a move like that in front of no crowd? Because he don't get the same pop." You know, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think he had to do the move, or do you think it's just him uh, just pulling out all the stops type idea? The crowd doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If there's a crowd there or not. You still need to put on the best match that you can. And if he thought doing this spot would have been great in front of any, uh, a full stadium it still has to happen mm. at this um, you can't even just take out your big spots because oh, there's no crowd there's need to enjoy it there's millions of folk around the world enjoying it I enjoyed it and I'm sitting in my house in Claybank mm-hmm. so uh, it still has to go you, uh, the show must go on as they say mm-hmm. I thought it was a, I, I, thought the, I thought the spot was very well done I didn't think I thought Kevin Owens has always been to me a guy who can pull out some fantastic stuff for somebody's size. You know, he shouldn't well, be able to do half the stuff he does. Absolutely. But yeah. uh, in terms of um, where there was a lot of rumours of uh, Seth Rollins uh, taking some time off. It's very hard to kind of tell given the uncertainty we're currently living in. We've, you guys mentioned that already. Do you see this going further, or do you see them both going their separate ways potentially? 
I see it kind of maybe going separate ways. I can see Rollins probably being the first, well, obviously, the first Ross superstar challenge for the WWE title that uh, Drew holds now. But like, I don't, I don't know what direction Owens can go in because you can see maybe Rollins kind of going a bit manic preacher type person that he still believes in the the gospel he's preaching and whatnot and maybe he gets a bit more kind of ruthless and a bit more aggressive in his nature and that leads to a match with Drew when he's just kind of like squashing people. Only thing I maybe see for Owens in the future is maybe like a Money in the Bank match or something and that's about it. Maybe a feud coming from that but nothing too prominent. Even then there's uncertainty about the Money in the Bank pay-per-view company at the moment. They're still still advertising it but whether we actually see it you never know. Uh, Ryan, what do you think he's going? NXT. You think he's going to go back there? He's got to. There's nothing, nothing for him on the, the main roster unless they can pull out the bag. A great feud that we've not thought about yet, but I, I don't see it. There's nobody that I can I can sit there and go, oh, Owens would have a great feud with him. Whereas if you look at NXT, there's loads of folk that could have a good feud with in there. He's not going to win the, the big title. He's not going to win the wee title on on Raw. So send him back. You know that he, he's too he's too big to flounder about kind of mid-card he could go to NXT and he could be main eventing he could once this Gargano Champa stuff's over you could see him taking on one of them two in a feud you know you building for there I think it's the only realistic place that you can see him I'm probably wrong as we always <laughs> say it's probably not going to happen they'll probably put him against fucking Bo Dallas or something like that in a feud but uh, that's what I would like to see him go next Gary I, I mean, the guys make really good points. There's part of me that thinks WWE have invested a lot of time in Kevin Owens. You think back to SummerSlam and how hot he was coming out of that angle with Shane McMahon. He's had a lot of time and focus. And I just, for that reason, I just can't imagine them, them moving them to NXT. But equally, I don't know what they do with them now. Um, he's not, you know, Drew, not, not shouldn't be challenging Drew for for the title. I don't know what comes next for him, and I can't imagine uh, that Seth is going to be Drew's first real contender challenger either, because Seth's too valuable to do that with. It's a it's a hard one to kind of tell because the big thing, obviously, is we don't really know what's going to be happening every day going forward but it's definitely was a de- it was a decent enough match to kind of go on with the two of them given the circumstances uh, the next match we're going to go on to talk about is one that when we kind of seen it was announced to me personally it screamed that this was going to be a match that was guaranteed to be good given the type of match we've got it was the triple threat singles ladder match for the tag team championships I know how baffling that sounds but it was John Morrison defending him and Missy's tag team titles against Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Russo? I can't remember. I think it was Jimmy Russo. Yeah, it was Jimmy. It was Jimmy. Um, in, a, in a ladder match. Uh, Ryan, you've seen these guys kind of fight numerous times on your um, reviews of SmackDown. Whatever we did, I. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, you can't really go out and meet in the car these days no, I know. to do these I things. Um, what did you make of this match? Just on that, the show will be back after this weekend's SmackDown. We have we have sussed away. Ryan was dealing with um, working from home with a, a young child and a pregnant missus. That has all now settled down with the coronavirus fear, so we can get the show back on the road. Um, on the match, 
one note that I've taken, which I really need to point out, if you have listened to the show that me and Ryan do, I have been highly critical of John Morrison since he came back. I, I thought he was just a bit of a nothing performer. He didn't impress me since he came back. He's just been a bit boring. He blew me at the water in this match. I thought he was so amazing. Sure. He, was brilliant. Oh, he was outstanding, mate. He was so good. Um, I've I've slowly been getting into him as a Morrison over the, the last few weeks. I didn't like them to begin with. Like I say, and that all came from kind of not really liking John Morrison when he came back and not thinking he was that, that special. But this match, see the one bit that I bloody loved was see when they got up in the turnbuckle and walked across the ropes to the other turnbuckle. Like, I wonder, <laughs> that's what I thought. See, because that was pre recorded. How many takes? I, I wonder how many takes that was. I wonder if he fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he if if did on it, but uh, it, it definitely. Uh, Jack, what was your thought? Did you actually, would you agree on Jack, uh, John Morrison? Been a standout here because I seen these three guys and I thought they're gonna do something really good. They all get talent in it. Yeah, I would say for me, John Morrison's a kind of standout. You know, with, with Kofi, it's kind of it's for me. It's it's kind of annoying as it is to say. It's kind of expected for Kofi to be as good as he is in these kind of matches because like whenever you see a ladder match and Kofi's in, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be a barnstormer. He's going to steal. He's going to be like, amazing during this, but. John Morrison was a completely different level. This is like this was his time to shine. He's got his WrestleMania moment from from doing this, and he just everything everything about it clicked. Everything made sense. The pacing of the match, what happened during it, the finishing. It was I think it was top notch stuff. Yeah, uh, Gary, it was a it was a rare occasion as well that we got to see one of the Usos in a singles capacity because we've just been so used for so many years to, to see them always in tag team action. Yeah, and uh, ironically, what one of them has this amazing match, and you're still not sure which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> when I seen this was announced, I did think, uh, as in a triple threat match for for the tag titles with singles. But I get they're up against the wall with it, and there's little choice they could do. They had little options on it, so they went ahead with it. In some ways, the fact there wasn't six guys in the match, I think, helped with the pace of the match. This was an exciting match throughout. There were less bodies to get in the way of things, so actually when people were climbing for the title belt, that's maybe when it hurt them a little bit, because there were a couple of moments where Morrison was climbing the ladder. And he could have easily got the belt, but then had to slow himself down a little bit. But I thought... Some of the action throughout was really exciting, and real credit to the guys for doing that because they are doing these spots and they don't have the live crowd to feed off to give them that adrenaline rush, and they did not phone it in in any way, shape, or form. Some of the bumps they took, uh, some amazing bumps, uh, some moves in it. Like I remember there was one was it coffee swings through the middle of the ladder, and there's yeah. a couple of bits you see in it. You think, well, I've never seen that before. In a ladder match, which is really hard to do, the Spanish fly off the top rope that Morrison did was incredible. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic stuff. Uh, what I quite they kind of benefited a wee bit from having no crowd because I think there was one point uh, I can't mind. I think it was one of them throws the ladder outside, and normally when they throw a ladder outside, they always have to be t- careful in case they like overdo it, and obviously it ends up hitting somebody. But there was nobody there, so they could just chuck it anywhere. Yeah, you know, it added a bit to that one as well. Uh, 
Ryan, I've actually got you in this one because I've heard you are the reviewing smack that I've mentioned this a few times. Somebody needs to give Kofi a shake and tell no stop to stop doing stuff with his hair. Oh, <laughs> Honestly, we absolutely hate it. Like, what is he doing? See when it first went blonde, I was just like, oh no, and then now he's coming up with multicolored hair and all that. I'm like, just don't, just keep it as it is, man. Like, you don't need to change anything. Like, change your ring gear. Wrestlers change ring gear. They don't change haircuts. No. The only, the only time you get a fresh baldy is for WrestleMania season. That's the only time they get a fresh baldy for the whole year. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one as well. And even with, with Kofi, it's, it's, it's been such a turnaround this year as well. Last year, with Kofi Mania, and now this year, he was just part of a... He was the third man in a ladder match. You know, it's just... It's such a... It's, it's amazing how differently things have turned for him over the last 12 months. Aye, but... I, I, I always think when people say, like, oh, that must be some come down. Like, no, not really. Like, when he was in... When he had his moment last year where he won the title like the only way you can go from there is down unless you compete for that again like he was still in a title match he was still on Wrestlemania you know as long as you're on the card in a title match that's not that much of a drop um, for people as, as people like to make out that you think oh that's that's some fall down for you well, no not really like I was pinnacle last year there's only one way you can go and that is down so I don't think it was that that bad you know having him in this having him in this match what did you all make of the the, the finish and the, 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 the winner being Morrison I personally thought that this was going to be the night that the Usos won the title what do you, what do you think I'm glad that uh, the, the finish that happened is it's like kind of the right way to do it because I feel that it's too it's too early to take the belts off Miz and Morris, especially kind of since that maybe, probably from when lockdown started, they've maybe started finally finding their groove mm-hmm. and the kind of characters that they're being and they're kind of not really caring, just going after folk and then making rap songs about it. But like, there's a definitely, there's more, there's more interest now in Miz and Morris continuing their reign than having the Usos or the New Day becoming tag champs again, because like folk will be like, oh, we've seen that before and what's, what's next? Yeah, spot on and Gary. I, I, like, I like the improvisation of the finish. I thought it was a, wee, a bit different than what we would normally see. I love the finish. I thought it was a really good spot. It gets the the heels the victory without them, you know, being dominant as such, and sets it up for these teams to go again in another way. And I didn't particularly care who won this match. Uh, I think you could make a case for any of the teams to do it. Um, but I'm certainly not disappointed that Miz and Morrison's have held on to the the title, and hopefully they can. Uh, we'll give uh, Morrison the rub he needs to elevate him because the Miz um, is a to me is you know there's an imbalance in that team. Miz is a you know main event caliber talent, and Morrison is lower mid card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was a very enjoyable match, and I think it was well placed in the middle of the card and. It kind of followed a couple of matches on from the final match from night one that we're going to talk about, and it was the match for the Raw Women's Championship. It was uh, Becky Lynch defending against Shayna Baszler. Gary, I'll throw back to you on this one. Very surprising me personally that this match went on third on the card. What was your thinking on that one? I was disappointed with this match overall. Um it's we when by the time the show came on, this was the the first match that really mattered 
of, of the two of them. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the other ones. The, oh, the, do. Don't the women's and Corbin. Exactly. Who gives a shit about that? And the women's tag titles haven't been hot really since they first came on board. Uh, this was a short, much, much shorter match than I thought. It would be eight and a half minutes. Shayna was probably one of the the best at adapting to this environment. You know, she walked, you know, when she came to the ring and the way she conducted herself, she acted like there wasn't an audience there, whereas some of the others still did their same entrances and so on as if there was they would have done if there was an arena full of people. So I thought Shayna's reactions were really good. Just a much shorter match than I thought. I mean, it's clear that this is, uh, you know, this feud's not finished. They did the classic uh, sort of Bret Hart finisher that he used in Roddy Piper and Stone Cold when they wouldn't let the hold go to uh, give the face a victory. But yeah, I just overall my feeling with this match is just one of of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack Gary mentioned the length of the match. It went on for about eight minutes. A lot of people have said that the match was. The eight minutes was solid, but to many people it felt like a good first half of a 15-minute match. Would you kind of agree with that kind of analysis? Sorry, just to jump in there. The women's tag title match got 18 minutes, and this got eight minutes. So so, Sorry, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. I'd agree that it's a... It was a good eight minutes to a 15-minute match, but I think the the football thing in general was absolutely god-awful. Really? Yeah. The truck... Don't care about Becky's truck and how she comes in. That's not what her character should be. It shouldn't be about a flashy truck to make entrances in. Fair enough, it would be cool in the, the arena and whatnot, but that's not what her character is. You've had Shayna come up from the Rumble. Everyone's take for winning it. Lost. Right, fair enough. But she still gets her Mania match, and then she gets screwed out of a match again. I don't know if maybe I hate on this a lot, because I've said in the Raw report that I'm, I'm not a fan of Becky Lynch right now. I feel that everything about it is just, it's just too, it's too much, it's too cringy. I was really looking forward to having a break away from Becky Lynch to maybe fall back in love for the man character again. And now that I've not got that, maybe it's maybe more angry than what I should be. Yeah, Ryan, and Jack mentions the stuff about Becky Lynch, and I, I like we mentioned with Seth Rollins, there was a lot of talk that she was maybe going to take a break, which I feel was going to make it perfect for Shayna to be the one to end it especially after a year I think were you surprised in any way that they went with Becky retaining here and you think maybe they're maybe saving Shayna winning the belt for a time where they could do it in crowds again aye but I don't understand why Shayna just didn't win it now like although the the rumours about Becky taking a break etc even if there was any rumours about Becky taking a break she still had to lose the title there because you've had Shayna dominate through NXT you've, she's come in she's dominated the Elimination Chamber and you're thinking she's going to dominate Becky then and then then you can build some kind of story of Becky going through whatever she has to go through to get it back you know get back up to that I've fought through it before and I'll fight through it again but the finish I mean at one point I did make Jack was a uh, Jack was shitting over the big truck. I thought the big truck was the best part of the whole thing. To be honest with you. <laughs> Grow up. Grow Mate. up. What age are you? Um, There's that rag with the big truck. I can kind of see the, the points with it. The big truck would have I think the big truck would have been cooler if they did it at Mania and the actual proper Mania and it was the first time we saw the big truck. I think Mate, because I, we saw it use it when Raw maybe put, put some people off it. I just love the fact that she's used the truck like more than once now and it actually looks like that's her motor. 
Like she kicks, <laughs> she, she kicks a bit of America in this truck. But let's be honest, Jack. See, somebody gave you a big massive truck that said the man in your face across the side. You'd fucking drive it in the shops. You'd drive it to Asda. Aye, of course. But I can still hate her driving a plane <laughs> truck into me. You know I mean? Aye, but that's just that's just Irish racism. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, driving, it, driving into the empty car park it didn't really have the same feel to it but again circumstances you know alright no listen I thought the match was a bit a bit dull to be honest with you it was um, I found out they performed well for the the 8 minutes or however long it was that they were they were on but I thought the finish as well like that's twice now that Becky's done that same kind of finish to a former cage fighter she done it last year and she done it this year she's not had a proper Good win in her title matches at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that may be controversial, it might not be, but I thought last year when she won it, I thought it was a bit of an anti climax because I uh, wasn't expecting it to be over. And it's the same with this one. When it was over again, I thought, is that it? Like, is that all we're getting? So yeah. I expected a lot more for the match, but it, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was just a bit of a nothing match. It actually was well placed going on third because it was nothing. And uh, and Gary Ryan mentioned the way that the way they finished it. It's it's something they've kind of. It seems to be the way they kind of have Shayna lose quite a lot. We've seen it back a couple of years ago. That's the exact same way that Kyrie Sane beat her for the NXT Championship. Do you think that was kind of lazy to go with that one? Not in this context because it was a lazy match uh, in some ways, you know. Uh, so not in this context. I can see the NXT thing. They probably think that not as many people seen Shayna lose in that way at NXT. And this is a different audience. Obviously, there's crossovers between them. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was a lazy finish. I just think the whole match was was disappointing and underwhelming. You think this was a good example of a match that needed the crowd? I don't know if the crowd would have saved it. Basically, you know, if they did exactly what they did in front of the crowd, I'm not sure it would have been any better. It would have been dull in front of the crowd. Aye. Jack, did you say something as well, sir? I was saying, I reckon the crowd could have turned on maybe Becky at that point. I think for it being the... Even if Becky won, if they had the 15 minutes, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. But see, it, it felt like it was cut short. Yeah. And it screwed and that was it. I think folk would have been raging at that. Mm-hmm. I think so as well, yeah. But Do I think he's all hit the head on the head. Just what I was going to add there, what I think is absolutely criminal about this is when you think about the matches that Shayna had down in NXT, all them title matches she had, all the 15, 20 minute matches that she put on that were memorable, you can you could pick out points from it, you could, the bits where she nearly broke people's arms and mm-hmm. all that, there was just, there was nothing in that match, she said so much in that she's done since she came to WWE, like, wee character traits that she does in every match and you think Jesus she's just broke somebody's arm or even when she done the biting thing I would have liked to have seen them even try that again like you know just, just put something in the match something a wee bit memorable in the match but it just it had nothing it was just a an 8 minutes of playing wrestling and then the finish mm-hmm. yeah wasn't the best match and say it wasn't really it kind of didn't really feel as much as it could have been but it was still better than a lot of the matches in the in night one, and for that reason, we will not be analysing Goldberg versus Braun Strowman. That is one thing for sure. On Elias, <laughs> on Elias versus Barry Corbin, but that's been our analysis of the main matches from night one. 
We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be analysing night two, so don't go anywhere. We'll see you in a bit. Hello, folks. I'm Nathan Fisher. And I'm Chris Murray. Join us on the Monday Night Rewind as we look back on every head-to-head episode of Dowdef Raw and Dowdef Nitro. Find us on the brand new Suplex Retweet Extra feed, available on all good podcasting sites. I'm WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and today we're in freezing cold, raining Loch Lomond. But we're doing something pretty exciting. We're filming an advert, and a very exciting advert. Um, we're going to promote WrestleMania and my big match coming up. We're going to meet my mentor. Exciting. Look at this, always just like my final tests. Am I ready to be top game WWE? I literally climbed over freaking mountains. Look at me doing it right now. We're on the hills. I'm carrying two barrels, which aren't that heavy, but when the wind is this high and you're in your underpants, it's not exactly easy. <laughs> Like, I know the finished product's gonna be amazing. You know, we all suffer for our art in one way or another. Just in wrestling, we physically suffer in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's gonna be worth it. Okay, now keep going up the hill. Look, I'm the modern day Braveheart, and here we are in the hills of Scotland at Loch Lomond. So, I think that's gonna be. I mean, I know it's going to be unique, it's going to be different. I think it's going to certainly get people's attention because I think they're going to feel the cold through the television because it is that freaking cold. We're fine with that shot, I take it. With what? We're fine with the shot, nothing needs mate, to be done. Mate, it's unbelievable, mate. It looks so good. Cool. Like, nothing says Scotland more than the environment we're in right now. And for me, just getting the opportunity to be back home, seeing where it all began, I remember where I came from, this pretty cool, three weeks before WrestleMania. That's why this is a glamorous life of a WWE superstar. And just keep trying to curl it round, like re-gripping the rope. That's it, yeah, like that. You're kind of like, mid-five box yeah, That's it, perfect. That's the move. Just give us a little bit. Okay, stand by. My first ever world title shot at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, somebody who I've used as motivation for years. Obviously, I've always been aiming for that uh, world title, the WWE title, and now that it's actually happening, the mental motivation I used for years is actually happening. I keep telling myself maybe I should have envisioned something bigger. Resident of the world. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Fantastic! Oh, last little bit, you throw the rope down in victory! Oh! Oh! Yes! Yes! <laughs> How do you imagine Brock is uh, preparing for WrestleMania? Uh, I don't know. I just assume on his farm he just lifts cattle and the likes. So I'm playing catch up right now. Lesnar! <laughs> Lesnar! Oh! 
is Kwaku. And this is Sarah. Just a quick message to remind you that you should subscribe to our extra feed on Suplex Retweet Extra. Yeah, come and join us over at Alba Grap where we will be breaking down all Scottish wrestling and also giving our brave hearts of each month. Yes, for that and much more, make sure you're subscribed to Suplex Retweet Extra. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm Steve Wilson. I'm joined by Gary, Ryan and Jack. And we are reviewing WrestleMania 36. We have just heard the behind the scenes clip of Drew McIntyre recording that BT commercial that he did in Loch Lomond. And that's a perfect way to go on to our first match that we'll talk about from night two. Is of course Scotland's proudest moment from wrestling. It was Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Jack, I'll go to you in this one. What did you think at the moment? Brilliant moment shit match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't yeah. it? I think let's 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 go with the moment first and we'll talk about the match later. Did you think you could you could tell that there was a moment Drew still kinda of felt it, but it definitely felt like he should he deserved it in front of a bigger crowd. Yeah, everything that everything had been built up to this point. The reaction the crowd would have got, the ovation, the celebration from it, it just it all would have been perfect. And I mean that like one of the best ways to round off WrestleMania in recent memory. And it's been kinda it's been robbed from them. Fair enough, obviously it's like exceptional circumstances that's taken this away and that nothing can really be done, but you, you always have that bit of you know, think, like, man, what what if he did win that in front of eighty odd thousand folk and everyone chatting three, two, one when he hits the claymore? One, two, three gets the pin. You always want to have that kind of what if. That would have been class if you had that in front of the crowd and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, Jack obviously briefly mentioned the match itself. It went on for about five, six minutes. There was a lot of finishing maneuvers, F5s, claimers to it. But me personally, I'm comparing it to the match we saw the night before between Goldberg and Braun Strowman. And I personally feel like it may have, they could have done more with it, but I feel like in terms of that style of match, it overperformed compared to what we saw from the Universal title match. I think taking this one on its own, though, I don't think it was as bad as we might think looking back to it. See, if you build, if you look at the storyline and the build up to it, we, we drew dominating him in the, the Rumble, that Raw when he done about five Claymore kicks to him. Mm-hmm. and he shouted them to pick up the belt and stuff like that and then having this match it it's almost taken Drew from being Drew who was quite good to then what he done in the Rumble to being like really good Drew then very good Drew and then now having this moment where he basically just it, although he got f 5 quite a few times at the start it built him back up again because he get back up he kicked out of one he took another one he got back up again he got back up again and then he had enough to deliver about 50 claymores to him and then win the match and dominate Brock Lesnar who can't normally be dominated so I think it it done his character well I just I, I would have liked I, I don't think if it was in a arena um, or a stadium that the match would have been just as quick I think you would have got more of a match one thing I did think about and it, I might be completely wrong with this it's just totally hypothetical the fact that the match was quick I wouldn't be surprised if that was Brock's decision based on the fact that Brock didn't actually want to be there 
because of everything that's going on and the you know not wanting to put yourself at risk and blah blah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got that power to turn around and go, listen, I'm not sticking about here. I'm going to come in. We're going to record this. We're going to get out. We're gone. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in any more any more danger. And I have to be by being in the ring for too long or being up close and personal. We we do because I never had a moment like that. That was just literally uh, fives and claimers. Yeah, and that. Cu- couple of suplexes so uh, it might be that might be the reason why it was quick that might have been a Brock thing um, if circumstances were different in the wider world then we might have got a different match but that's probably would make sense mm. uh, Gary we're often told now in the news at this current point that we shouldn't feel like our life should be normal the, a moment that really hit me in the head with that one was as the match was starting that Paul Heyman did not do Brock Lesnar's introduction. I, what is I going was, on? Uh, I was surprised at that at the moment, but when I think back to it, one of the, the and you think the reason Heyman does it is to hype the, the crowd. Well, there was no crowd to hype, yeah. so it kind of makes sense that he didn't do it. But one of the things I did love from Heyman during this match is you could hear him shouting warnings to Brock. Brock, he's going to sell for a Claymore! <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I absolutely loved that. Um, I thought you know, the comparison that was made in passing there to to the Braun and Roman, uh, not sorry, Braun and Goldberg match was an interesting one because that was a match which had two moves in it. This was a match what, what had three moves in it. A Claymore kick, a suplex and an F5. Uh, but these guys, we know they can do a lot more than that. I mean, Lesnar has very rarely failed to deliver in a big match for WWE. We know all about Drew. And the fact that these guys got four minutes, 35 seconds, and a three and a half hour show just puzzles me. You know, uh, a 10 minute match of two, you know, hard hit match, almost like the type of match that. Lesnar had with Goldberg at Mania 33 mm. uh, would have been, you know, it was a short, shorter match, but those guys really went at it, hammer and tong in that match. Yeah. Um, the bit that, you know, I'll give cre- huge credit to Lesnar for is the selling that he has done for Drew oh, since the Rumble, and even in this one, after Drew wins the match and he's celebrating, Lesnar lay motionless in the middle of the ring that whole time. So it's sort of 10 out of 10 for these, these continued selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jack, we, we mentioned very early on about the moment of Drew actually winning it and how much better we've been for a live crowd, live crowd. I personally think that the crowd would have went absolutely crazy just as much for that moment that Drew kicks out of the F5 at 1. Yeah, that moment, the kicking out at 1, I think folk would have went off their head and I feel that commentary would have been even more height kind of feeding off the energy of the crowd that what just happened. But I just I feel that if I I crashed I was I crashed out during night two when I was watching it during the tag match after the match that happened before which we'll speak about in a bit so I watched it the next morning if I stayed up to like half three quarter four to watch this match and it was only five minutes I'd been absolutely raging yep mm-hmm. it'd be different if we'd stayed up till about half five on the usual Wrestlemania though <laughs> But if, if we stayed up though, we would have been with people and the atmosphere would have been different I know. as well. You know, it's the hard uh, thing about this WrestleMania. It's just it's, you, it's a hard one to kind of. I feel like maybe in about 
five, ten years' time, we won't be looking at this WrestleMania in the same way we look at other WrestleManias. No, we'll skip it. We'll completely uh, skip it. Um, it's a one-off, you know. You'll one remember this moment, but you won't uh, remember the match that led to the moment. Aye, exactly. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I did want to you note know, when um, you're making the point about Heyman not doing the intro, I, I don't know if this is just me that thought about this. I, I took from Heyman not doing this, and I, I literally come on this podcast every time I do it, and I always talk about uh, it might have been this, but it probably wasn't. And this is another moment where it might have been this, but it probably wasn't. I think the reason Heyman never done it is because he, character, doubted whether Lesnar could do it so he never hyped him up as much because he had that doubt in the back of his head that's what I took from that from him not doing that like I say probably wrong he probably just never wanted to do it but that was the the kind of thought I took for that when I was watching it well let's let's agree on one thing it's great that Drew is champion from a Scottish point of view 100% it's good from a Scottish point of view but I'll probably, I might get a bit of hate from this, I said it in the Raw report as well, I feel that national pride is clouding a lot of people's judgement on the moment in the match. Yeah, but it's, it's a hard one to kind of tell, it's a different level from Scotland to maybe the US, but we'll kind of get a better judge of how this kind of goes as the live crowd start to return in a couple of months time and we kind of see how the crowd react to Drew. Uh, now, we're going to now talk about the next match which Jack alluded to briefly, it was the match the return of singles competition of Edge after nine years out, pretty much think his career was over, and he took on Randy Orton in a last man standing match. Gary, this was a match that had such high standards to it going into it, but to many people, it fell off a cliff. What was your thoughts? I'm afraid I have to go into the latter camp. I popped big sale when Edge returned at the Rumble and was really looking forward to this match, but 36 minutes. Uh, the second uh, longest WrestleMania match of all time behind Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Iron Man match. Yeah, it was 10, 15 she, minutes too long as far as I'm concerned. Uh, partly as the second that longest WrestleMania match yeah. of all time. Jesus. Yeah, it, it was far, far too long as far as I was concerned. And also the... Uh, wee bit repetitive, there's only so much you can do. I think the last man standing element of the match lost a lot of the its steam, its momentum being in the empty arena. Uh, I don't think that worked for them. It would be better if they pivoted to something else for it. Yeah. And also these, you know, some of the things these guys were doing. I mean, Randy Orton is not really renowned as a, as a high flyer. But yeah, he's now you know, climbing on top of trucks and Edge probably shouldn't be taking those types of bumps anyway. Uh, yeah, just far, far too long. Uh, 10, 15 minutes shorter, we'd probably be talking about slightly different in the match. Some some interesting spots with, you know, trying to make use of the, the facilities they've got. I like the finish with the concerto. There was a sort of poetry moment to it almost. Yeah. You know, I liked Edge swinging off the, the gym equipment and landing and Randy on that chair. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling beyond that. You mentioned that part in the gym there, Ryan. I thought, see the starting sequence of this match while they were going through the kind of gym element through it? I thought that, that, that was good at that point, but it was kind of the point where they eventually left the gym side and they started plodding through the backstage elements to it. That's when it started losing me personally. Aye, so, so I... Um, 
when you said how long was this match here? 36 minutes 36 did you say? minutes yeah. yeah right I, I reckon I probably napped for about 15 minutes of it mm-hmm. like during the match um, I went to bed to watch it because I was fed up sitting on the couch they, they had the gym bit fine I thought that's alright I thought they're going to move out now they're going to go to the ring I fell asleep I woke back up again the match was still going um, at this point so I missed a wee kind of chunk in the middle I liked the end but the gym part when I compare it to um, one that happened recently as well in the same gym was Gargano and Champa and on NXT when they had that kind of bit in the, the gym that didn't go on for too long it was on long enough they had the big moment at the end and then that was it it was it was done that's the way this match should have went the fact that they then continued it even longer the fact that I could have a nap <laughs> and, then, and then wake up for the end of the match is a joke you yeah. know I, I expect to go for a nap midway through a match and wake up during the next match not the same body match when they're, I think I, I literally think I woke up as they were claiming on top of the truck so I, I missed that wee bit beforehand so I've not got as much hate for it as other folk has and I haven't watched it back because all I've heard is negative comments about it so I've not even bothered Mars going back to watch it again but from like what you said just even I enjoyed the starter of it I enjoyed the gym bit I, I, I enjoyed the end I thought the end up on top of the yeah I thought the end was fine it just took you long it's yeah. alright I thought Edge selling it well as if I don't want to do this was quite good um, at the very end when you see him kind of with tears in his eyes almost before he'd done the concerto I thought that was quite good um, the kind of way he sell that so I've not got as much hate because I went for a nap yeah uh, Jack that bit in the, in the middle from the gym bit towards the closing end and it was so disappointing it must have been even more disappointing to you as a massive Edge fan than you are yeah Edge is my greatest of all time wrestler is the one that I've resonated with so much so seeing this moment of him having this Wrestlemania match come back I was so excited but never that because you're a big shagger mate is that why you resonate with a big shagger of course mate I have life sex celebrations every week <laughs> Can empty crowd as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody needs nobody needs to see that. <laughs> I mean, you you know about the plenty of ocean balls I've got kicking about when I caught my draft, so you know. Right, plenty. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I, as I was saying, I never thought I'd hear the words coming out of my mouth that Edge has ruined my WrestleMania experience because that with that match going too long, it's probably what made me crash out during the tag title match, and I missed the rest of it I, I missed was, a live reaction that, of the, the, the main event and the Wyatt match beforehand and I haven't always having to watch it after seeing everyone's reaction it's just oh, I'm gutted and I'm hate, I hate that it was because of a 35 minute long match just didn't need to be I would, I'll admit myself as well I, was str- I struggled after that match I had to kind of go get an energy drink from the fridge I was pretty much I was teetering myself you know I was kind of like I really want to see the moment of True, winning at the end that was kind of helping me get through it a wee bit but no I mean the, f- the finishing element to it as the as you've all kind of mentioned to it they sold that out very well but again it really needed a li- that needed the live crowd that moment yes. of the kind of facial reactions to it thing. I needed the kind of oohs and ahs from this, the audience as well but again would they have done this style of match the finish probably would have came in the ring as well as Gary, you and Ryan talked about in the first half. It, it would have ended in the, the ring. Obviously, you're not going to go backstage at WrestleMania. It's already far too big to go backstage. But 
<laughs> I, I, I think if you had this match in front of a, an arena, even going for that long, I don't think it would have been that bad. You know, I, I think it's because when you go backstage, the match goes on for, what, 36 minutes, but a lot of that is just them walking after each other, which really fucking annoys me. When I watch matches, see when you you see them, they'll hit them with something and they'll go ah, and they'll like walk away dead fast, and the guy will come up behind them and grab him by the neck and then walk him somewhere else to do something else to him. And I'm just like, it, that's fine if you do that for a short amount of time. If you then extend it even longer because you just think you can get away with extending it, then it's just going to take away the the buzz of them being backstage and amongst all their stuff. Yeah, and that's, that was the big issue with it. There was far too much marauding their way through the backstage area. Not enough of the two of them actually barrier. When they were actually on top of the trucks and that type of stuff as well towards the end, they were again doing everything very, very slowly. Commentary was guff as well. The commentary played an absolute clagger on this match. Did somebody say it was um, it was like golf commentary? Tom Phillips is one of my favourite announcers currently in WWE, mm-hmm. but he did nothing in this one. He did nothing on it. They did. They just did not give you any sense of drama, and they were just kind of like it was kind of like, and they're looking over the pot. It's <laughs> it's a short right to left. This Almost, match sucks. <laughs> I actually feel like this match didn't even need commentary. Like you're probably doing better off just not doing commentary for it. Well, and if the commentary's ha- that bad, you're better not doing any commentary. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I mean, see, even if you had like a um, like an over, like a model on commentary, I don't even think he could have made this any better. I actually think it would have been better with no commentary because it's almost like a a hearts and mouth type thing. And adding to the suspense of oh my god, does that actually just happened to see just hit him across the yeah. weight? You know, I, I I feel like that would have been better oh. having having it like that rather than just having the the murmured voices. Talking about matches that did not have any commentary, we'll move on now to our next match, which was the match that went just before the main event. It was the Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Jack, I'll start with you on this one because we spoke before the show and you seem to be the high man from the three panels definitely about this one what did you make of this match sir? it's hard to explain it's fair to say I absolutely loved it I felt that like this was my favourite thing out of the both nights of Wrestlemania I feel that everything to do obviously the non-wrestling side is a bit weird not having wrestling in a wrestling match but the creative work the storytelling the way it's been able to potentially write Cena off permanently from TV nothing short of perfect yeah Gary you thought the opposite you were not entirely sure about what the heck was going on in this match yeah I mean the puppet the Vince McMahon puppet said during the match this is such good shit I would just say this is just shit that was amazing by the way I loved that Uh, (laughs) I I just I just don't get it I just thought it felt it was weird. It felt a waste of time. It's part part of my life. I'll never get back. It was yeah, packed, it was packed full of inside stories that that a huge amount of the audience would have had no idea what the hell it was about. Yeah, but you knew about the Saturday Night Main Event thing because you lived through that. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean I also lived through the SmackDown fisting as well. Uh, but so much of it was just. Ha- haven't we all, my man? Haven't we all? It was a good night out, wasn't it? <laughs> it 
uh, <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. Um, it's, it's the Firefly Funhouse match. There was no wrestling in this whatsoever. Yeah. I hated right. this. I just hated it. It's one of those things. If somebody had walked in uh, to the living room and seen I was watching it, it's one of those things that would made it would have made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Mm, interesting, Ryan. What side of the argument are you going to go on? I'm actually in the middle of both of these. No, I'll pick a side. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I can't pick a side. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I agreed with Jack. I loved it. Right, I loved it as a whole. I thought Cena playing the part tremendously of like looking like he was properly sucked into these these moments and then going, wait, how the fuck did I get here? Like I thought he was brilliant. It took me a wee minute to get in there. I was kind of sitting watching the telly, going, what the hell is going on here? Like I, I don't know what I'm watching. Um, but actually, I, I did love it. But on the other side, the no wrestling and a wrestling match did disappoint me I would have liked to have seen them actually perform as well um, so that's why I'm kind of a wee bit in the middle with, with both of you I did like that Vince McMahon thing and I'll tell you why I love the idea of Vince McMahon sitting down and somebody comes through and goes here look what, uh, look what Dean Ambrose said about you in this interview and he's played the interview and see him taking the piss at him going what oh, is some good shit and he's went I do not use that put me well, in that T- take the piss out of me by saying this is good shit when it's when it's actually it's a gimmick the whole thing is a gimmick and his character saying this is some good shit being used is almost like him when he passes off good gimmicks that are actually shite so uh, it was a good weekend of tie-in I liked I liked that can I tell you actually this will actually make you think make you think here right apparently uh, Bray Wyatt came up with this match mostly with one guy one producer one agent guy that guy was Bruce Pritchard. It was shite. The whole match was shite. It was fucking horrendous. <laughs> but I hated every second there. I'm never watching that again. But the thing about it is, when see the thing you are mentioning about the kind of Vince kind of idea. To see when you hear it's Bruce Pritchard that does it, that kind of argument you make kind of makes sense. And also, I think about it as well. Uh, Jack, you kind of think about it. Uh, John Cena partly had a massive part to play and a lot of the stuff actually happened in the match. There was a partly other stuff that was going to happen, but Cena, changed, Cena played a part that came in and changed it. Does that kind of speak to the kind of side of John Cena that's often been disrespected throughout his career? Uh, yeah, I would say so, because I feel that obviously that John Cena, that we, that everyone originally loved did begin to hate, was just the kind of cash meal of Vince McMahon and he obviously just wasn't wanting to go against his boss he was just kind of going with the grain doing what he was told but I feel that you can kind of see here that there's plenty of things that he, maybe he wanted to change differently and he was able to portray that through this match with certain things that happened like for example the bit where he's uh, depicting Hulk Hogan as being like his version of being a heel in NWO and he starts like battering brain and whatnot that it turns out to be the Huskus Harris, the pig, but then when he's battering him, the, the pig, you see like kind of all the bits where he's buried folk, mm-hmm. like with the Miz, and then like Baron Corbin with the, the chairs falling on him and what, well, Wade Barrett with the chairs falling on him and whatnot. And I feel that's kind of like a moment of realization of stuff like I could have maybe helped other folk better than just kind of doing what I was told me if I kind of stood up for what was maybe what the fans were wanting. It see. could have played out better. I thought there was so many elements to this match that, could, that there was so much clever stuff 
actually in the match when you kind of look into it, there was what you mentioned there with the whole stuff about the burying type of stuff in that one. There was the throwback to WrestleMania 30 with the chair and Bray being on his knees, pretty much telling John, you didn't do it then, do it now. The moment when they redone the ruthless aggression type thing and Bray was singing the Bellas theme tune. <laughs> Just, there was stuff like that. I thought there was a lot of cleverness to it, but I could kind of see the point that the guys were saying that it maybe could have done with a bit more wrestling, but at the same time, I thought it was clever, a lot of the stuff that was done on that one, but I can understand the kind of downsides to it as well. Uh, Stephen said a bit more wrestling, I just wanted to say some wrestling would have been nice, there was no <laughs> wrestling whatsoever. My biggest, my biggest complaint about this match, and I've, I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and actually I've been saying it for years now, why has John Cena not had a haircut yet? Like, get a haircut, John Cena. He like, should, should have had the flick. He should have had the 2002 flick style for mate, that. But. Do you know what I'll take? I'll take the Kofi Kingston haircut on him. Put that on it with the, the colourful bits on it as well. Fire that on him. Just, he looks like a da with long, overgrown hair. And it's, co- it's combed over and I'm just like, oh, no, mate. Just really annoys me. Really annoys me. It's the same as Ryan Wilson. That guy constantly grows his hair and I've told him for years he needs to get a baldy he suits a baldy better and he doesn't listen to me he grows his hair and looks like a hobo fair enough uh, I think what we could all agree on I think the right thing came from it in the fact that Cena put Bray over and kind of Bray, well, Bray won the match even though it was Bray who counted the pin but the best way either way that you kind of think of it to sum up the match was Titus O'Neil's reaction after it Either way that you look at it, his reaction sums up the kind of thinking to it. I mean, you can understand, you can question the, the decision. Why have they made him a temporary host? You can make it just for that one moment alone. I feel like it could have been better without that moment. Oh, that moment was great. See, it just ended, and then that was it. It just kind of started. It just kind of like program resumed as if like nothing happened, as if like it was just something in the mind. I think it could have been a bit of a better transition, and it's going. I don't know what that was or whatever he said so I don't know anyway, uh, I don't even know what he said it was just his face it was just the way they kind of blacked out and it just went to his face you know but I think uh, there's a lot of people online clamoring for a more firefight franchises now I think they should leave it at this for a good while and only pull this out in big circumstances I actually think the Bray should go away for a bit the, the, no. the, the, he's, he's got no really purpose at the moment no I, I think the problem was when we seen all the stuff with him and having Goldberg, apparently he didn't want to drop the title and Goldberg made him, whatever that rumour was, if that was true or not. Um, but I think that he's no, he's not really got a purpose just now. He tends to be one of these guys that should actually just show up every now and then and then put yourself in a feud. And it doesn't even need to be too long. It can be like maybe three or four weeks where he just stays away completely with nothing and then something will happen or you build another storyline up with two other guys and he maybe just gets himself involved some way, you know, just there could be a different way of doing it but I I feel like having him on weekly now, after that you're now just going to put him in a feud for the sake of putting him in a feud now so you can use him which I think will kind of diminish it a wee bit No, definitely, but going away from a match that didn't have too much in the terms of wrestling to the match that opened night two, which had a great bit of a lot of wrestling to it. It's probably one many says the match of the night from an in-ring perspective. It was for the NXT Women's Championship. It was Charlotte Flair challenging Rhea Ripley. Ryan, obviously a 
big fan of NXT. You've mentioned a lot about NXT in this show. What did you make of the first proper NXT match to be on a WrestleMania card? I thought it was brilliant. I thought I thought Rhea has been one of the, the most consistent performers on NXT, both UK and and US. Um, Charlotte, they always say dropping down. She's not dropping down. She's going sideways now. But I think Charlotte going to NXT is the perfect move for her because it's like I said about Kevin Owens earlier on she's pretty much done everything mm-hmm. on uh, there is a deal on Raw and Smackdown she's won all the titles but it's the 10 titles she's got now or something like that um, <laughs> aye something yeah. like that um, comparing it to the Bray Wyatt thing as well I think if Charlotte didn't win she would just get put in a feud with somebody for the sake of putting in a feud I think there's much more scope for her to improve and put on good shows if she goes down to NXT now, especially as the champ, because it means that everybody will not only be wanting a bit of the, a bit of the champ, but they also want a bit of the queen as well, because she's she's came back down to, to their level, so to speak, um, where she they can then basically take the stance of, you know, you may think you're dropping down, but hold on a second, ten, let's no. go. Definitely, but and Gary Ryan mentioned as well, Rhea Ripley in this match, it's not all just about Charlotte Flair. We first saw Rhea Ripley in that first May Young Classic where she was still very, very raw. She's came an absolute long way to then and she was an equal to Charlotte every point in this match, I feel. I thought Charlotte sold her ass off throughout this match for, for Rhea and I've seen some stuff online about... Uh, about people feeling that the defeat has hurt Rhea. I don't think that. I think um, I was surprised at the outcome a little bit, uh, but Rhea's not been hurt by this. She's been elevated on the back of this. And it's not the end of this story. They had a great match. Charlotte will go to NXT. She'll have a series of fresh feuds, which is what she needs because she's done so much, as, as you mentioned earlier on already. Um, she had a series of fresh feuds it's not easy to say that quick um, <laughs> and uh, eventually there will be a rematch between the two of them mm-hmm. and that that will be good but really really good match really good use of uh, silence at times there was some funny noises at other points uh, in this match but uh, I liked the story they talked throughout the match there was a wee bit sort of old school about it you know, those particularly working over the same body parts, which eventually led to the, the decision. It's just a really good, solid match. Yeah. Uh, Jack, we often talk about how the opening match of a WrestleMania night card is equally as important as the main event. Do you think that having this one go on first in night two was a perfect way to get that night underway? Yeah, it, kinda, it, it helped set the... Well, it helped attempt set the tone of what they were wanting. There was a lot of the middle that just was a bit meh watching that but this match it was easily the best wrestling match of the night everything about it kind of just made perfect sense I feel it's a shame that Rhea lost but I'm also quite happy still seeing Charlotte with the belt because I feel there's so many more possibilities that can happen with Charlotte with the belt now and even if she does double duty between Raw and NXT going forward defending the title against like any superstar hanging and just it will just do great things for everyone with Charlotte being having the belt. Yeah, it adds a different element to the NXT because we have spoken many times on this podcast about the quality of the NXT women's division. We're actually going to see that 
uh, this week as a time of recording when there's going to be a six women ladder match on the upcoming NXT for the number one contendership there's so much depth in there and it adds so many questions as well as who can be the one to step up to Charlotte Flair throw a match out there right away that could happen after this ladder match you could Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai you know that's just yeah. one potential thing on it. it adds so much things to it but again with Rhea she can then go down she can look they can play off Rhea a bit differently she can then go on to maybe feud down the card as well they've got a ready made feud in there based on the second May Young Classic of Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox. I think it, that looking at it more I thought Rhea was going to win but I think Charlotte definitely is the right option just from all those things I've listed there I, well, I actually thought that I, I can agree but yeah, I thought that Rhea was going to win I, I didn't see Charlotte going to NXT permanently i never seen that that happening delighted that it is but i never seen her her wanting to take that step but maybe she's kind of looked at it as well and thought I've, I can do something something amazing in here you know I could I, I've been here before I've conquered it I've dominated it I'm now going to go back to a whole new crop of people that I can feud with I can have completely different matches to what I've had before so no I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it mm-hmm. after I've thought about it I was annoyed at first but it makes it makes sense now I think Charlotte's still, from what I've seen and read, there's still an expectation that Charlotte's going to still be in Raw, so we'll probably just see more of her, which makes her an even more valuable draft pick for someday, which was no bloody used to me in the draft this time round. <laughs> she got your points, it just nobody else did. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many as she should have got. No, that's true. She was one of the very, very sufferers in that draft from COVID 19. Jack could talk all day about suffering from. COVID-19 in this draft not actually suffering from COVID-19 just so I add that's because Jack has COVID-19 <laughs> I'm patient zero mate <laughs> <laughs> no, the, it, it, it shafted me no ends I feel that a lot of, I, I could have benefited a lot going into Wrestlemania the draft but unfortunately it was not meant to be no but we can agree that Rhea losing made more suffering for David Hockney which was all good you know which is always a good thing. Yeah, I liked the I liked in this match the old school targeting of of the knee. I think that's like uh, Gary. You're obviously a guy who grew up watching wrestling eighties and nineties. It was the type of thing that Bret Hart would do back in yeah. the day. He would target that move, target that move, and then the minute that they lock in the figure the figure eight, as it is, she's done. You know. Yeah, the game's over then. It was. It was. It was really simple storytelling, and some of the best things still are you look at how over Otis and Mandy's story was and that was just a simple story um, and yeah it made sense and you see that uh, often in matches now there's no the psychology sometimes gets lost people just do high spot after high spot or in some instances forget what body part they're working and start hitting the other leg um, which is pretty unforgivable but yeah it just made complete sense you could fo- absolutely follow it and see what was going on Mm-hmm. Definitely. See, actually, when you, when you think back about that edge and Randy Orton match, just what you're saying on it, they had to follow Otis. That's how that match failed. We had such high expectations with Otis. Oh yeah, Otis <laughs> is the greatest thing in wrestling. Oh, he's great. Uh, just briefly before we finish up, how great was that? That moment would have been amazing in a live crowd. Oh, aye. Uh, imagine him carrying her up a massive like WrestleMania ramp as well. Like past everybody just wandering all the way up there with his prize possession would have been great. Uh, still was still was great, but just not the same. 
I met Otis at SummerSlam. I have a photo of me and a topless Otis. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Tucker, Tucker was there as well, so was Lucy. Tucker! This is the thing that annoyed me as well, and I always talk about this. Um, Otis's ring gear has to change. It has to go back to wearing the the full the full body thing they had before because I kind of deal with us. I kind of deal with the the tiny wee trunks that you can hardly even see because he's belly. Like looks like he's distressed linen boots. Aye, like he's a massive guy, <laughs> right? And uh, massive guys need to wear the full the full gear. See when they first come up, when they were in NXT, when they first came up and they had that initial run when they first got to SmackDown and stuff as well. Like, he looked class. He just looked like a big bruiser, but now he just looks like a big heavy guy. But I think it's fair to say we could, he could have a big run in that one, but it's definitely a moment that kind of sucked. It could have been absolutely amazing a live crowd, but I think what we're going to we would say about this actual WrestleMania is it's a WrestleMania like no other. I don't think we'll ever see a WrestleMania like it again. Nah. Do you know, uh, on that point, Stephen, some of the introduction that WWE did, they never used the word coronavirus at one time, so I just wonder in 10 years' time when somebody in the network looks back on this, will they have any concept of <laughs> why it was like this? <laughs> Probably not. It's just like, due to the outstanding circumstances, people will ask one day, why is the outstanding circumstances? I don't, I, in six months' time, I don't want to hear the word coronavirus. You know, in th- three years' time, I really, uh, it's just going to be F coronavirus anytime. But, you know, it definitely was a WrestleMania like no other. And, but there was some decent moments to it. But again, and on that note, we will wrap up our WrestleMania 36 review. The night, or the, the show, too big for one night. But let's fair to say that we will quickly forget about it just because of, you know, the circumstances surrounding it. But we got the good entertainment at the time. Uh, we've got loads of stuff still coming up on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet despite the lockdown that's pretty much kept us all indoors for the next for the last three weeks and probably for the next three weeks so you can head on over to our on our social media to see what we're doing Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet please subscribe to us we've got a massive back catalogue so much content there that can help you get through this time stuck in the house next week we're going to be doing a profile show and we're going to be talking about the icon Sting so that could be an interesting one to hear about his career but until then, I'd like to thank my panel for this week. I'd like to thank Gary. Thank you, Stephen. The Ryan. Thank you very much, Stephen. And the Jack. Hi, cheers, mate. I've been Stephen Wilson, and we will see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now.